Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. Why, is this the podcast where we're watching the movies that you tell us to? <laughs> no, I think it might be. Why, yes, it is, sir. Tis still the day when, when we, we review movies that you asked us to. I haven't missed it. The spirits did it all in one night. I love that that is our only touchstone. To not, not only do we constantly go back to the well of Christmas Carol, but it's only that scene from it as well. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> we got no love at all for Fezziwig. We got no love at all for the well-meaning nephew. No. Fuck all of them. It's just the little boy on the street. That's the true star That's of the a Christmas Carol. true meaning of Christmas. Hey, everyone. I'm John... And that is my co-host, Jeff. And uh, this time around, we got off of the list one of the movies that we were actually sent in the mail. I have a Blu-ray of Vibes. Oh, Vibes. Vibes is a movie, well, the only movie, really, with uh, Cindy Lauper in it. I don't know if it's the only movie with Cindy Lauper. Well, starring Cindy Starring Lauper. Cindy Lauper makes a lot more sense. Yes. I, actually, I don't know. I did not bother to look up her filmography or anything, so I can't tell you what else she's in. Oh, I'm sure she probably has, like, little cameo parts and stuff. Yeah, probably. I mean, she did fancy herself an actor of some stripe. Of some stripe? Like, many stripes. Yeah. Like, she auditioned, I believe, to play Stripe. Yes, the movie Stripes. She auditioned <laughs> she, she to be wants, the titular Stripe. She was like, "Can I be Stripe in the movie Stripes?" And they're like, "Do you want to? Do you want to play the little the Gremlin Stripe?" And she's like, "No, I want to play Stripe, the power armor, obscure DC character that's the uncle of Star Girl." You know, you know. Come on, uh, Stars and Stripe. You know, he used, used to be Stripey. Now he's just Stripe, and it's like. S-T-R-I-P-E all capitalized with dots after it, so you're supposed to think it stands for something. Huh? Yeah. I don't know what you what, what that could possibly stand for. Self cities. <laughs> Smoke trees <laughs> in <laughs> Oh wait, it had to be R. Smoke trees rel- religiously rel- religiously inside. <laughs> uh pers- personal I don't know e- endurance machine. Stripe them. Stripe them. <laughs> we got there. Don't worry about it. Wowzers. So yeah, 1988, I believe, when this got released. And uh, it is Cindy Lauper's starring vehicle, as well as a very young and virile Jeff Goldblum. Oh, goodness. Does it ever star a very young Jeff Goldblum? And a very old and virile Peter Falk. She plays someone named Bean Soup Annie. In something called Goonies 2. Ah, Goonies 2. The... Uh, what? The sequel to Goonies. A plot undisclosed... Oh, it's it's an in-development plot to... Or sequel to Goonies. It never happened or something. I'm sure. Okay, that's fair. That or maybe they're talking about the NES video game Goonies 2? No. No, apparently... Uh, okay, here we go. Trivia. Sean Astin and Corey Feldman pitched an idea for Goonies 2 to Richard Donner, and while he liked the idea, he thought he wouldn't receive a big enough budget, so it just never happened. That said, it does have a top-billed cast. Corey Feldman, Robert Doffy, and Cindy Lauper as Bean Soup Annie. Aw, Bean Soup Annie. <laughs> Do you think she played a hobo in that? Maybe. Anyway, she has 74 acting credits. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is a movie about psychics, ostensibly, yeah, it's like, it's a really, it's an Indiana Jones thing, but with a really, really weird twist of everybody, in, uh, every main character is a psychic. Yeah, the, 
I mean, no spoilers or anything, because we'll get to that, but this movie, for the idea of it's a bunch of psychics with different psychic talents, Mm -hmm. so not just generic psychic, but like, you know, oh, I have astral projection, and I have mind reading, and I have psychometry, and like various psychic things. Yeah. Uh, And they're all trying to find like this ancient city of gold or whatever, and you're like, that sounds like a weird, interesting movie, and it isn't at all. <laughs> it's not t- okay, it's not the worst thing we've ever watched. Oh, goodness, no. We've seen way worse than this. Because for the description, I was like, man, this certainly does just sort of plot along. Yeah, I mean, part of this movie largely rolls along on charm. Uh, and it's the charm, of the, the, the middling charms of Cindy Lauper as an actor, the incredible charm of a young Jeff Goldblum, and then also just the avuncular enjoyment of being in the same room as a wizened old Peter Falk. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that they managed to get the cast that they did for this is yeah. like, oh, your movie is pretty much garbage, but it's watchable because I can look at the people on screen and they seem to just be all thinking they're in a different movie? I don't think Jeff Goldblum thinks he's in a movie at all. Jeff Goldblum's acting in this, and we'll, it'll come up a lot as we're making our way through the review, is a lot like he's just a, a like an audience member in a production of Cats who's just trying to play along with the cats coming out into the audience. I mean, honestly, <laughs> throughout like, this movie, it feels like they had just given him the pages yeah. to read, and he's like, what? Are you sure? All right. Okay. Like, he's just improving the whole time. Ugh. Like, he just can't believe that this is happening. That's that's everything you're getting from his performance. And you're going to pay me for this? All right. <laughs> yeah, no, the... That can't be the plot. Oh, okay. you, you don't want me to say this. <laughs> you say so. Hey, you're writing the checks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it ain't great. It's definitely... The problem I have with this is I feel like it should be either worse or weirder to make it into the whole like cult classic thing. Yeah, it's not quite there. Because as it is, you're just kind of like, yeah, this this is a movie that when you describe it to someone, they're like, oh man, that sounds ridiculous. I should watch it. And then you do, and you're like, that that was a movie. I feel like it's for for the similar for similar reasons. It's kind of in a similar sphere to like Golden Child. Kind of, where it's it's a action adventure story starring a comedy car- uh, persona, and it you know you you hear the description, you're like Jesus, that's that's nuts, and then you watch, you're like, oh no, it's just Eddie Murphy shtick. Okay, <laughs> it just I'm, sort of goes. It's just yeah, it just plods along on an Eddie Murphy pace, and I, I could be watching any, I could be watching Coming to America. This the it feels weird how much of this about being like an ancient Peruvian like psychic city or something, and it, it just doesn't matter. None of this matters. <laughs> Uh, all right. You know what? We're going to go ahead and do our in-depth spoilery review. But first, we're going to play a little music, gather our thoughts, and come in fresh so we can tell you all about vibes. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. And we are back. It's time to really find out about this 1980s psychic <laughs> comedy adventure romp. And can I say? Please do. Right out the gate. Yeah. Probably one of the biggest disappointments in this is that 
Cindy Lauper does no singing in this. No, doesn't the, even have like a song in the credits, as far as I know. Yeah, she does. There's a there's a Cindy Lauper song playing us out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's just not a. It, it's just it's, not a Will Smith. Yeah, it's not. She's not Will Smithing the joint. She just she just attached whatever current Cindy Lauper song wasn't getting the airplay she was hoping for. Oh yeah, it, it's not like she made a song called Vibes and the song is about psychics or something. Yeah, that that we don't get that. We just uh, we we get a Cindy Lauper song in the outro. But yeah, it's one of those movies where you're like. Have have Cindy Lauper sing. I, I get the impression they might have asked, and she's like, "No, I'm a serious actor." The whole point of this is to be like, "I'm an actress." I have 74 credits on IMDb, and one of them is for a movie that never happened, and that's my top build credit, <laughs> my number one credit. Which is weird because I star in this. <laughs> uh, yeah, no vibes. It starts out before we even get to anyone. We get the a couple guys wandering around in the south american jungles of mm-hmm. wherever they went to i think they're in ecuador ecuador like, that's yeah right. like i you, you you keep expecting them to be in peru because a lot of this is about peruvian looking mountains and machu picchu looking ruins but no it's it's set in ecuador and okay they go find something they have a local guide who brings them to a place and Ah, they're looking for the city of gold, and instead they mm-hmm. find the room the, of gold, the top of Luxor, and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> with a with a glowing pyramid where you can actually see the regular like the PVC they use to hold the spars together. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it like, is. Oh, look at that! You you got just a little little pyramid there. You uncovered a, put a light inside of it. You uncovered a wobbly IKEA light fixture. <laughs> Good job. It's loaded with heavy psychic energy and and smoking heavy doobies. Uh, but yeah, we, we don't start with our main characters finding it. Instead, uh, a couple of old men are stumbling their way up the mountain under the guide of, of a, a person who is leading them up there. Uh, one of them is instantly recognizable because he's been in a thousand things. It's uh, I think he's Michael Lerner. Yep. Uh, who who you'd remember as Mayor Ebert from the Godzilla movie in 1998. That's definitely what you would remember him from. He was on like eight episodes of Glee. Uh, he was in, he, he's a, he's in the Coen Brothers orbit, so he's in a couple of their things. But he's just a fun character actor, and here he doesn't get much to do. No. Uh, we get one person who, upon opening what they assume is going to be the entrance to this room of gold, they just find a very shoddy, like plastic wobbly plastic pyramid and instead of going oh what is this garbage or even trying to be like well i guess if we break through this maybe this is like a window into the room no i love this part because the two it's 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 enclosed in like an easy to break apart stone box and what happens is a guide leads them all the way up here and as soon as the guide gets up there he starts loudly praying and in in uh, what sounds like a native language, not just Spanish. Oh, yeah. Well, it's and, the same thing whenever you get your local guide to yeah. take you to the cursed area. They're always like, oh, no, I took you here, but you shouldn't actually be here. Yeah, they're always like, how dare you? You just brought me up here. What are you, what are you talking about? But no, in, in this case, I, I think he thought they just wanted to look at it. But the very instant they're both up there, they're like, all right, great. Get the crowbars out. Time to bust it open. And he's like, what? No, you can't. And they're like, well, we're just going to shoot you. Yeah. And one of them, for some reason, is like, well, I'm just going to lay my hands upon this little plastic pyramid and see what happens. And he immediately starts speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. And his friend tries to help him. Yeah, he touches him and gets blasted back by some energy. And then Michael Lerner, uh, hands on this this shoddy little pyramid thing, 
uh, vanishes into into nothingness and is never seen again. Indeed. But uh, that's the setup for, like, what the plot is supposed to be about is this... It's a race to find this plastic thing again. Yeah, we gotta get to there, but... Luckily, Ooh. the friend didn't get killed. He just got shocked real bad uh, and has a chunk of rock on him and wouldn't it, it, that from the box that contained the pyramid. And isn't that convenient because our main character is a psychometrist? Yes, indeed. We uh, immediately go over to a New York psychic experiment place where we get a whole bunch of different psychic things where like one of them's doing the whole like hold up the cards behind a thing and you tell them if it's a star or wiggly yeah, lines. Yeah, that's the movie's villain. The movie, uh, well, one of them. One of them, yeah. It's Googie Gress, uh, a, a fun character actor with a great name. And he's he's doing I can tell what's behind the card you're holding. And then he gets one wrong and he gets incredibly mad at the person holding the card instead. Oh, yeah. He's like, well, maybe I could tell what it was if your mind wasn't a jumble of nonsense. Pay attention. Who hired you? I love that you're ascribing to him a haughty British accent. Because I'm not instead... even going to try and do his... Swedish. Swedish. <laughs> I mean, air quotes, Swedish accent oh, that this, he is this doing. This movie lays on every aspect of its comedy with a borscht belt stick. And, and, and so our Swedish villain named Ingo Swedlin... Uh, he basically makes it through the movie being like, ah, oh, yes, I am from fair Sweden and I love my mama. <laughs> You're just like, the fuck is this? Are you sure, Googie? <laughs> is this, is this what we're going for? <laughs> and indeed it is. Uh, you've got an old man who can move stuff with his mind, but it makes him pee his pants. Yeah. Just uh, an old dude with some telekinesis. Yep. And, and, uh, our, our, uh, big celebrity, the, the best psychic in the joint are the two of them really is Jeff Goldblum's character, um, Jeff Goldblum, who, yeah. who, I mean, you cannot <laughs> not say his name, which is Nick Deasy. That's right, Nick Deasy. Nuts. No, everybody in this movie actually, ha like I said, it's borscht belt comedy, which means that it's not enough for the characters to be funny. They just gave them goofy, funny names as well to really drive it all in. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Cindy Lauper's character is Sylvia Pickell. Yeah. You got Pickle and Deasy. Uh, and, uh, so he's a psychometrist, so he can, he, if, you, if you're a fan of our show, you probably listen to the other one. And if you listen to the other one, you probably know all of our, uh, all about psionics and you know what psychometry is. He's an object reader. Yeah. He can pick up an object and tell some of the history of that object, where it's been stuff about its previous owners, stuff like that. Yeah. And we get a hilarious bit of comedy where they have him read a bunch of knives on a table, and he's like, this one was used for a murder. Why would you ha willingly hand me this? I had to watch a murder happen just now. Th oh. That's going to be in my head for weeks. I'm not going to be able to sleep. And then he puts his hand on the table, and he goes, oh, someone in this office has had sex on this table. And then the female of the two scientists who are interviewing him was like, uh, mm, uh, we, can, we can be done now. We're, we're done. Oh, oh okay, we're go away. And you're just like, I get it. Uh, why not, 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 not? How are your arms after flying in? <laughs> now, Cindy Lopper's Sylvia Pickell, her whole deal is she has a ghost, ghost friend. friend. She, she's, she has ghost friends. She has a psychic guide named Louise mm -hmm. who, I mean, when you read the description for this movie, it's like, oh, she's got a wise cracking sidekick. I'm like, <laughs> is it Jeff Goldblum? No, it's just like it Louise, Peter Falk? Louise, her side, her like wise cracking sidekick. And I'm like, you never see Louise or hear Louise. You occasionally get that whole like, 
Oh, Louise, why would you say something like that? You never in response to a crack that Louise just made. It's always that Louise is concerned. Yeah. Louise feels like a very serious character for a character that does not exist and is not in the movie. Yeah. I mean, the idea of Louise is sort of like not quite motherly, but very protective of yeah. Sylvia. Yeah. Wants what's best for Sylvia. Uh, but basically, it's just an excuse for like uh, Cindy Lauper to look off to the left and be like, huh? What's that? Yeah, you're right. He is a cute guy. And go, oh, because by the way, Cindy Lauper's accent in this movie is in full force. Yes, and also her main plot thing, like her personality trait, I is she the, is horny. She is man hungry. Oh, she man. wants a man so bad. She's uh, she's horny for the most. Like she's she's very forward and hitting on every guy she meets. Oh yeah, there's no getting around that. Uh, but also, I feel like she's more or less playing her own Jewish mother stereotype as well, uh, where she's just like, I got to find a man and settle down. And and her idea for how to do that is fuck everyone. I got to oh, yeah. fuck every single person until one of them stays here. And she's like, oh, I always have the worst luck with guys. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's because the only people you date are the people who will date you when you come up to them and go, hey, you want to get married and have sex right now? <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's not the best way to find a good mate. <laughs> yeah. So she's kind of trapped in an, an unhealthy spiral, shall we say. And indeed, even in this, the person who is running this whole psychic uh, study is <laughs> Julian Sands. Ah, so the villain? Man, when we were watching this and you were like, ah, Julian Sands, he's the bad guy. And I'm like, you don't know. Yes, I do. He, he could be nice. No, he's the bad guy. He's Julian Sands. <laughs> uh, and What's the movie you're thinking of where Julian Sands is in it and isn't the villain? Uh, none of them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he is running this whole thing, but also that's just another thing for... Sylvia to be like, hey, we've been spending a lot of time together in this study. Huh? You should move in with me. And he's like, I have your number if I need anything, Sylvia. Yeah. Uh, for we, villainy. Yeah, we have a little scene. We need to introduce the characters because as it turns out, of the five or so psychics that are being tested today, three of them are more or less main characters in the film. Yeah. Uh, because Ingo Swedlin, uh, the extremely stuffy, very self-assured psychic, is one of our one of our bad guys, and so we need to have. There's a little lunch sequence where the where they all get together and they communicate. They, they talk about being psychic and what it's like to get paid to be participating in a study. And Goldblum's whole thing is everyone else here is kind of old hat at this. They're they're lifers. Yeah, they're like, oh, we've done tons of these studies. We've you know gone on shows. We've done stuff like that. Whereas Goldblum was like, this is the first one I've ever done. I've mm -hmm. had this since I was a kid, but you know, I kind of want to know more about it. Why we have it. And for him, he's the type who's like, I'd rather get rid of it because it's more of an annoyance than anything else. Well, yeah, because he can't touch stuff. Because, I mean, one of the things we see in this movie is him touching that rock from Ecuador and being like, oh, I, an ancient king held this. And I'm like, if everything you touch gives you thousands of years of history, it's going to be really inconvenient in your day-to-day -day life. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, you have not just that it's like, oh, anything I touch, I'm going to immediately get some information on mm -hmm. but also when he goes back to work he works as a museum curator and more than that he works as basically a, a novelty side. yeah uh sideshow guy because everyone's like hey i don't know where my keys are can you touch my hand and tell me where they are i think my favorite of that because we, we basically 
Julian Sands wants him to go on like an expedition or something because Sands is Sands ultimately is the secret bad guy of the movie and is also looking for the room of gold. So he's trying to keep Goldblum in his orbit because Goldblum is an effective and powerful psychic. Uh, but he's like, no, I'd rather I'm actually decided not to be psychic. I'm giving. Uh, <laughs> are you sure? Is this the line? I don't want to be psychic. I don't want cool powers. I would, I'm going to go be a museum curator with a wife who hates me. Oh, yeah. Well, the girlfriend. He's because Sylvia has to be like, oh, Louise says that your uh, girlfriend is having bouncy, bouncy times with another guy. Oh, for God's sake. The, like I was saying, the comedy in this is it can't just be you're being cheated on. It's yeah, you, uh, Louise says your your girlfriend is making bouncy, bouncy on a guy. <laughs> yeah. Making bouncy, bouncy with the it's uh, Louise. <laughs> Twelve. You, you know what? I greatly appreciated your uh sexual forwardness and candor as a character it's kind of it's a neat thing to see a woman who's got that much assuredness and just like hey you want to have sex hey you you want to have sex it's you know she's taking control of her agency and she's not ashamed of herself in any way but when she's like hey you want to go make bouncy bouncy huh <laughs> you want to make oopsies <laughs> you want to fill my hoo-ha with goof juice <laughs> yeah but of course this is another thing where he's like uh no that's not true my my girlfriend calls me Honey Bear. Why, she'd never cheat on me. And I'm like, this is the easiest thing in the world to know. Because mm-hmm. the second you get near her, you can just be like, all right, let me touch literally anything of yours. Well, that's, that's exactly what happens. I mean, if we want to skip ahead to that part, uh, basically, when the meeting's over, Sans tries to recruit Sylvia and Goldblum, the, uh, Sylvia and Harry, Deez, Deezy. Hey. DZ Nick DZ Nick okay tries to recruit Sylvia and Nick to be to uh, like his companions or something Nick quits and goes home Sylvia tries to make out with Julian Sands quits and goes home but also there's some like camera guy there who's like intimidating them and taking pictures well not really intimidating them he's across the street yeah. just taking oh, and it's, photos it's Falk right yeah yeah it's just Peter Falk is over there taking pictures because he's gonna steal away some of the psychics if he can get away with it but then that resolved we get Nick going back to his his home life and his job life because he doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to go to Ecuador. He doesn't want to be a part of the psychic experiment. He wants to stay a museum curator. Uh, but we need to break that. The next couple scenes need to be his life falling apart so he's willing to be in the movie. Yeah. And so we get just one home and one work. The work one, like I said, is just everyone at his job treats him like a party trick and the, the, the best one is the person who's like, I think this fish is bad. I, I'm having fish for lunch and I think it's bad. Can you touch this fish? And he just has like a fucking raw trout on a plate. Yeah, it's just a raw fish that he like grabs Goldblum's ham and, hand and puts it on. And he's like, ow, why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, what, what do you think I'm going to know about this? And even if I told you it was fresh, what's your next move? Are you going to cook a fish in the museum from... Are you going to debone and descale this fish? Yeah. And... You know, one of them's like, oh, I just got a new car and I want to know if it's a lemon. Can you touch the car? But more than that, it's the head of the museum comes yeah. in and he's like, ah, oh, the trustees are here and I've been cooking the books. So you need to keep them entertained and just sort of do party tricks for them with whatever they give you. Everyone give him one of your personal objects and he'll tell you all about yourself. The thing that drove me nuts is is he... He's getting ready. He doesn't. He doesn't like this job, and he's getting ready to quit. His girlfriend is breaking up with him, and then it's like, oh, I guess I could really use the money if I go with you. And I'm like, no, up yours. He's a museum curator. He's already doing fine. Yeah, but I mean, he still wants an income. And he's, a, he's a museum curator at like a giant museum of of natural history and Egyptology in New York. 
Oh yeah, he's one of the. He's, he, I, I guess maybe the the people making the movie were like, yeah, curators are janitors, right? They don't make do- they don't make any dollars. Well, I mean, they had to do it because the whole thing is he's like, oh, I work at a museum, so I can tell if you know ancient artifacts are real or not. Yeah, except he doesn't want to use his powers for that and refuses to touch any of the. Well, artifacts. not anymore. <laughs> we reach him at the point where he's apparently reached his breaking point for this yeah and like we mentioned he goes home to his girlfriend and ooh, they start getting intimate and as soon as he touches her panties he's like oh man <laughs> sylvia was right you were cheating on me some other guy has had these panties she's like oh it was just my dad who was helping me do laundry oh your dad who had just won a hockey game by scoring three goals <laughs> Which the panties tell me is called a hat trick. <laughs> oh, thank you, panties. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's and the uh, whole joke is that she's an up class eighties woman. So her response is to be like, I don't have the emotional uh, like b- bandwidth to deal with this act, this level of accusation that is correct. Look, here's the thing: you were gone, and I had gotten a little drunk with my girlfriends, and this just happened. Now, we can't take it back, but here's the deal. We both work well together. We've got a good relationship, both physical and emotional, and I think we can put this behind us, or you can leave. And, of course, he He leaves. Yeah, he just leaves, and she's done with the movie. Uh, Then he goes back to work and is chased around by by donors again when Sylvia shows up and is like, hey, you want $15,000 or $50,000? And uh, all you got to do is come with me to Ecuador with this guy. Yeah, Peter Falk showed up at Sylvia's place and was like, hey, I need to find my son in Ecuador. And he's he's been lost and I need a psychic. And I saw your ad. I need two psychics. It won't work unless you can get the other guy. I need psychics to help me find my boy. My poor boy. Also, just one more thing. <laughs> Peter Falk is great in this. I love Peter Falk in this. I'll, I love Peter Falk in anything he's in. Yes. Because he's great. Yeah. But for a movie that's this lightweight and frippy, he is really, really fun. Yeah, no, he's great. Anytime he's on screen, he is giving it his all. Yeah, he's just this lying, shifty con man character who's clearly having a blast trying to wrangle these two psychics everywhere. Oh, yeah, because he's, I mean, Nick is really the one he wants because he's like, oh, I need to find the way to get to this place. And the only real clue I have was somewhere in Ecuador, and I have a shirt from the guy who survived when they first went up there who's unconscious now. Yes. So, you know, Louise, as much as she's able to, like, predict the future, she isn't really able to be like, oh, I'll give you directions. Yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? Louise, or, sorry, well, uh, Sylvia can predict the future and also has a no, ghost who Louise knows things. Louise can predict the future. So what she... so. Sylvia's entire psychic power setup is that she can talk to a ghost and that ghost is psychic. Yes. She's, well, she's a medium she's and a conduit. can uh, also astral project That's because right. Louise taught her how to do that. Yeah. She has astral projection, but also her ghost friend can see the future. And because we don't want to skip the scene where, uh, with, with uh, Steve Buscemi in it, cause he's only in one scene of the movie. And I would, I would feel at a loss if we didn't mention a 20 year old looking exactly like he always does. Steve Buscemi. Yeah. And this is just to drive home the fact that she always has the worst luck in guys. Mm-hmm. One of her exes is Steve Buscemi. They're at the racetrack, and he's like, oh, come on, baby. 
I'm, I'm I'm all brand new now, but I could really use some money to get back on my feet. And, you know, you can tell me which horses are going to come in when. And so she has to be like, all right, Louise, I think he's really changed and I definitely want a guy and I'm so horny. Yeah. So please just tell me what the race is going to be. And she does, and he wins, and then he's literally brought his actual date to the horse track as well. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, uh, oh, what a coincidence seeing you here. I'm just going to take her home because uh, she's on the way. Anyway, bye. No hard feelings. Bye. Oh, <laughs> It's very sad. Poor poor uh, Cindy Lopper, Sylvia, is so lonely. So alone and wants a good man. Only a man, though, not friends. Yeah, no. <laughs> Friends are a waste of time. No, she's already got Louise. She don't need anybody else. That's true. Why is she so lonely? She's got a permanent friend. Yeah, but not a permanent friend that she can bone down with. You don't know. I do know. <laughs> hey, look, I'd like to cite the case of Ghost. <laughs> I'd like to cite the case of uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> so the ghost could blow her in a, no. in a, in a dream? <laughs> Only in a dream. Give her dream blows? <laughs> Dreamy bee? <laughs> I believe there is a 70s movie literally called Ghosts Can't Do It. Ah. So that might that might be a pretty strong argument in, on your side of this equation. Well, also the fact that Louise never interacts with anything throughout this entire movie, even when it would be beneficial for her. That's team. true. Well, she, I mean, they're following pretty clear ghost rules here. Yeah. But they're following the first half of ghost rules, not the second half of ghost rules where he learns how to touch shit from Vincent Schiavelli on a train. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, he decides, you know what? Instead of being used for a puppet for good times for these museum people and having to deal with the fact that my girlfriend is cheating on me, yes, I will go to Ecuador with you. And Nick flies out there with Sylvia and we get some very weird nonsense here where like, for some reason, the movie just wants to stop and stay in a hotel for a while. Yeah, we had a lot of business to get through in a hotel. So they get picked up by uh, Peter Falk, and Peter Falk is still maintaining this lie that that it's his son who's missing in the mountains somewhere. It, this lasts all the way until they get up into the mountains, and they, he gives Goldblum the shirt, and Goldblum's like, uh, this shirt belonged to a man who was three years older than you. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, this man's much older than could be your son oh did i say my son i meant my father i'm his son i'm looking for him no it's a guy about the same age as you yeah one of my my mother remarried one of my schoolmates saw a picture of him couldn't stand it had to marry him yeah i'm just gonna get back on the bus and leave oh man you know oh. that guy. so he's just like no don't leave i'll take you to the actual guy you can talk to him yourself he's in a hospital i'll tell you what we're looking for a room of gold yeah we'd all be ridiculously wealthy I just didn't want to mention anything because, yeah. you know. So instead of you going home immediately, just stay the night at the hotel at my expense and think about it. And they go to the finest of the Ecuadorian restaurants, a, a hotel restaurant that makes no sense. They they go to the finest Ecuadorian hotel, which has an El Torito in it. <laughs> Pretty much. It, but the things that happen in this restaurant, first of all, the restaurant's full of bougie rich people. Yes. Just completely full to the brim. Um, there, The drinks that people get in there are generally g either like giant overflowing. Well, most people have like just a standard martinis. drink. Yeah. But Ingo shows up in the hotel with a scorpion bowl on fire and everything. And I'm like, wait, so it's a Mexican restaurant. They mentioned that. It's a it's a Mexican restaurant. Super upscale because everyone oh, here is Tuxedos. Rich. So it's a tops and tails and ballroom dancing Mexican restaurant where you can get tiki drinks. 
like really big ones with, with all the production values and everything. Yeah. And also <laughs> they aren't so upscale that they would kick Nick and Sylvia out because they're just sort of like not dressed up. No, they get dressed up for it. They go dancing and everything. They're in they're in suit and, and she's in like a blue strap or uh, backless gown. Yeah. In this scene. Uh, and, and the two of them are trying to figure out like who's wealthy and who's faking it or something like that. So she she just starts yelling about Ferraris until someone co- corrects uh, her. It's the oh, the I think it's in a limo where she's like, oh, the ice box in a whatever opens from the left, not the right. Yes. And uh, some guy comes up and he's like, hello, I will answer that question. The lady is correcto. Ah, Es correcto. Es correcto. (laughs) And she's like, oh, a sexy Spanish man. Oh, you're so rich. He's like, well, I've got a meeting to go to. I am, of course, very rich. And also you are with a man. And she's like, "Uh, he's he's my brother or something. Yeah, this is my brother, Deezy. Ziggy. My brother Ziggy. Now, at this point in the movie, Ingo shows up and they have a little confrontation where they talk to him and they're like, he's like, what are you doing in a restaurant in Ecuador? And they're just like, well, the buffet's really good. So now we have further established that it's a hyper upscale Mexican ballroom dancing tops and tails tiki bowl buffet restaurant. Yes. Inside of a hotel. Inside of a hotel. I would like to go to there. I love that they just keep layering shit on what this place is it is amazing i'm honestly impressed that they didn't just keep doing it and like put a fucking mechanical bowl in one corner (laughs) (laughs) have a karaoke dj standing by oh i thought for sure there was going to be a karaoke thing just so we could have cindy lopper sing something yeah and jeff goldblum sing something yeah that would have been and googie grass sings. everybody sings Uh, what you got peter falk but yeah they are trying to hide from Ingo that they're here doing a thing, which is interesting because Ingo is the one person whose psychic power is mind reading. And they're like, oh, I know. We'll just dance and then pretend that we're in love and on vacation here. Yeah. The wildest thing is that they're like, oh, God, that's Ingo Swedlin over there at the bar. What do we do? What do we do? I don't know. I guess you could just sit where you're sitting. It's not like he's seen you or anything. Yeah, you just sit right here, and then just... if he notices you, then do something. But instead, they're like, the only thing we can do is stand up and ballroom dance. We have to dance and then sit right next to him and pretend we're in love. We have to stand up and do bits. I, I'll i tell you what. The in... only way we can get out of this is more shtick. <laughs> and in light of the fact that there is no rack of cream pies in this facility yet... Uh, I believe we will merely ballroom tango. And also you here in this restaurant in Ecuador. Oh, the cream pie buffet is excellent. Also worthy of note that they do a tango and they're both highly proficient tango dancers. Just I guess it's just because it was, you know, part of the bit. But it was. Oh, yeah. They both know incredibly fancy tango footwork. And this is another one of those things where we had mentioned in the beginning, but like Goldblum just seems amused oh, during yeah. this entire scene. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, well, all right. Well, I guess we're dancing. Got, this is what we're doing. Okay. If you say, if you say so. Hey, but hey, buddy, it's your name on the checks. Yeah. Given that his character is supposed to be like, I hate being psychic, but I'm doing this just so I can get some money and like move on with my life. And he. From everything we know, character-wise, he seems like he should be fairly serious about this. He's nebbish but, and he's nervous. Those are his primary character traits. But his, Goldblum's 
actual acting in this is just sort of like a <laughs> okay yeah exactly he's supposed to be playing a nervous character who doesn't want to get into any trouble and is trying to to, to uh live a normal life but he reacts to everything like i said like he's an audience member in a cat's performance where he's just like ha, ha, look, at, look at this cat this is right next to me look at this oh, what, is, what, what are you supposed should, to be what huh? am, I, am i supposed to do anything right now i, I don't have to right i can what just, are you griddle bone I'm, I'm just i'm just enjoying the moment oh man are you Bombalarina, or is that the one that was only in? The, that's only in the movie. That's right. Okay. Oh no, she's in the the actual play. She is. Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. I did not know that. I thought she was made up. The character was made up for the film. Nope. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. But so, wasn't there some character made up for Cats the film? Not that I know of. Hmm. Okay. Well, good to know. So yeah, uh, they they of course have this scene less to try and fool Ingo and more so we can set up that. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna get together these two crazy kids, but mm-hmm. she goes off eventually because the guy was like, "I'll be back in fifteen minutes. You should be here." And he comes back, and so Sylvia goes off with the rich guy. I was in the bathroom, so you're gonna have to cover that. And now he ends up in a room with someone yeah, no. else. And uh, <laughs> fucking Goldblum's Deezy is like, oh, and he kind of has a moment where he's like, "I'm sad that Sylvia left." And then some lady at the bar is just like, hey, come here. I saw you dancing. That's hot. I thought you were Latin because only a Latin man could dance like that. <laughs> and he was like, nope, I'm just some American guy. Hi, I'm Nick Deasy. And he just seems really amused by this. And then she's just like, hey, why don't we go back to your room? And he's like, okay, <laughs> sure. It's funny that you didn't even have the thing I'm getting just off your description, which is just like, uh, you sound like you might definitely for sure be a prostitute. Yes. <laughs> and it's sort of what I assumed was going to be the thing. But no, the big twist is she's an assassin and she pulls a knife on him. And <laughs> it is very stupid that she's just like, ah, yes, I'm going to get up here to your room, change into lingerie. Mm hmm find a knife to like hide and then he ends up like object reading the knife (laughs) he's like oh why do you have this knife oh my god i mean she obviously had to bring the knife with her it's not like his hotel room had a kitchen in it no i mean i get why she had that i just don't know why she took the time to change into lingerie instead of like when they get into the room she's like oh turn around and just stab him oh I, i like it a little when you've got blindfolds on yeah how about we get a little kinky and I stab you in the throat? <laughs> okay, but my safe word is... <laughs> no, well, I'll stop. I'll stop. Oops. <laughs> we okay? Huh? Uh, yeah. I, I. So she ends up, like, stabbing him across the arm. He gets sliced in the arm, and then he manages to, when she charges at him to stab him again, he just sort of... Olay gets out of the way mm-hmm. and she goes charging through the window across the balcony and lands on the floor several stories below and dies. Yes. <laughs> and that is the last we will see of her well, in I mean, this she, movie. She does die. It's not like I was expecting to see her again. I mean, it would be kind of funny if everybody who died in Cindy Lauper's vicinity became one of her ghost buddies, but still. Well, I mean, when he eventually goes and gets like... uh Henry Buscafusco and Sylvia Pickell, and he's like, oh, someone tried to kill me. She's her body's right here. And like they all go to his room. The body's gone. Also, any evidence of it happening is gone. There's no glass on the floor or anything either. So, you know, somebody had to get the body gone. Mm-hmm. And but there's no like, ah, oh, yes, that was whoever uh, my associate or 
you know, she wasn't actually dead. We yeah, there's no mention of her again. It's no. a weird thing. No one's like, we've got three other bad guys in this movie. We don't see the police show up. No. Like, there's three other bad guys in this movie, and presumably they're all in cahoots with, with uh, this this lady. And they're like, well, we're going to kill these two psychics before they can help uh, Harry find the treasure. And not, no one else is like, oh, but you also killed the lady we sent after you. Yeah. And who did this? Is it Juan, that, that random uh, third bad guy? Or did Ingo go out there and drag her corpse away? No idea. Who were? Don't worry about it. Nobody knows. Just she fell out a window out of the movie. We also get more shtick here, though, because his, his initial thought is, oh, God, if she was an assassin, that Spanish guy was probably an assassin to kill Sylvia as well. And Which he had, isn't the worst. No, it's nice. It's, it's a hero moment. Yeah. He's like, oh, God, I've got to go save her. And then he runs over to her place. And he sees what he thinks is this guy about to garrote Sylvia. Yes. But the, after duking him out and knocking him to the ground, um, it, it turns out that <laughs> this is great because we have to have a minor character run in or like a nobody character to run in to just go, oh, my God, you've punched out the Spanish ambassador to Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, movie. <laughs> and now, good day, sir. <laughs> Someone had to make the announcement, and the Spanish ambassador to Ecuador is unconscious. Yes. And Sylvia's like, God damn it, that guy was rich and an important political figure. I had him wrapped around my finger. This was going to be great. And he's like, oh, uh, well, look, I have been stabbed, mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. thought someone was trying to kill you because they were trying to kill me. And she's like, oh, that's romantic. Now I'm back on trying to get on your bones. Uh, I'll just pivot. It's fine. No big deal. I'm quick to flip. <laughs> we know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they go to the hospital the next morning or yes. the middle of the night. They go immediately because he's like, all right, fuck this. Someone tried to assassinate me. I'm going home. Yeah, this is dumb. And, you know, Peter Falk manages to be like, well, how about we go visit the guy in the hospital? Like I said, because at least then you'll know I was telling the truth about all of this treasure and whatnot. I'd hate for you to leave Ecuador thinking me, a guy you're never going to see again, is a liar. That'd be a, that, that would weigh heavy on my conscience. And, you know, they have to go there and trick the nurse. And <laughs> Right, the nurse is a huge lady. And so we get a bunch of jokes about how she's a huge, scary lady. Yeah, oh, -ho, this lady is big. Mm -hmm. Now for big lady jokes. Yeah. Oh, something about King Kong? Am I going to climb you like Mount Everest? And other humor. And indeed other things. And she's like, no, they won't. She will not let them back there to see him. And so they evade this this problem of this nurse who is vigilant and will not let them back there to see the guy in the hospital by just walking back there and going into his room. They call the front desk. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then use her, like, trying to figure out what's going on with the phone to sneak past her. Yeah. And then they find the guy, and he's in a coma. They're going to try and psychometry mind read him, but when he, when Nick touches him, he wakes up, and he's like, they never bring me any chocolate pudding. It's always ice cream. Why are they bringing you anything? I thought you were in a fucking coma. I mean, he's less comatose and more unresponsive. Oh, but st I guess he's, he's unresponsive but willing to eat ice cream. Yeah. He comes out of it for ice cream. I was going to say, like, they do mention that he, like, comes in and out of it occasionally yeah but you'd still assume he would just be on an iv rip but whatever also and i'm gonna go ahead and say this unequivocally and n nuts to you if you think this is incorrect ice cream is better than pudding oh yeah 
Yeah. As, as soon as he was like, I want nasty uh, chocolate pudding from a hospital instead of ice cream. I was like, no, you don't. Oh, fuck you, man. Get the ice cream. Ice cream's fucking delicious. Pudding is a pudding is a compromise. <laughs> pudding is a, well, I guess. <laughs> pudding is the kind of shit they would serve in Victorian dinners before ice machines were invented. Now you can have ice cream. Pudding is only exciting if you are an elementary school kid and mm-hmm. you brought your own lunch. Yeah. If you ain't got snack pack, I don't want to fucking hear about pudding. <laughs> Leave it in the 80s with Bill Cosby. It is the 80s. Leave it. Okay. It should be cut out of Blu-rays of the film. Ah. <laughs> they just have to reverse it. They keep bringing me pudding. I wanted ice cream. <laughs> uh. Controversial decision or, or a statement here from, from a movie mastery I know. But officially, in all capacities, Ice cream is better than pudding. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on this. This is yeah. one where we agree. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he has a piece of the like altar that they broke apart mm-hmm. to get to this plastic pyramid before. And as soon as Nick touches it, he gets kind of possessed. Yes, it, it gets it has a hold on him because they're the, apparently this secret village they're going to find had a whole psychic power thing as the kind of their 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 central governmental core. It. I honestly don't understand the deal with this pyramid thing at all because, I mean, I don't give a shit if we skip around. When they finally get to it at the end, they're like, ah, yes, there was an ancient civilization who, like, predated the Incas by so long and they had psychic powers and they used this to amplify their psychic power and destroy their enemies, but it destroyed them. And I kept thinking, how, what, what was, did <laughs> what I they, miss something? What do they do specifically? Because the only thing that thing seems to be able to do is disappear people who are touching it or cause local rock slides. Yeah, it's, I was like, is this an, is this an aliens thing? Did aliens bring this? Because it's, it's reading like it's supposed to be a technological thing and not just, we have some weird rock that makes our psychic powers good. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, they didn't want to add aliens to that because this is a, this is an Indiana Jones pastiche, and you'd have to be some sort of colossal fucking moron to add aliens to Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, if you added aliens to an Indiana Jones story, that would ruin it, and it would be terrible. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be any good at all. It would suck, especially if they just like randomly left at the end of the movie, and you were just like, well, fuck, I guess they just. Yeah, it's not even like, it's like alien ruins. It's like actual alien spaceships show up. Yeah. God, that'd be awful. Oh, that'd be terrible. Also, what if every MacGuffin in the movie was the same fucking MacGuffin over and over again? Yeah. If they were like, how do we get rid of these ants? Oh, we'll use this alien skull. How do we open this door? I don't know. We'll probably use this alien skull. We don't have any kind of map. What if we just use this alien skull? Yeah. It'd be fucking terrible. The worst. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. So now that Nick has touched this piece from the like altar on the top of the mountain he has completely changed his tune to be like no now i have to go there i'm obsessed with finding this place and we we should leave right now yeah he's got a little bit possessed but it's still enough nick left in him that he can still do shtick yeah because that's what the rest of this is well yeah i mean the whole thing is basically this piece of rock has drawn him to here yeah so it's it's less that he is possessed and more that it's just like oh i I now have the craving to go to this mountain. Yeah. And I'm going to say here as well that this is the point where they actually get up and they're camping in the woods as they make their way towards this hidden city. Uh, one of the things about this movie I, I enjoy is that it, it it almost feels, and I know they don't shoot movies in sequence, but in this movie, it feels like 
Cindy Lopper's clothes get progressively more Cindy Lopper as the, <laughs> as in the beginning she's wearing like a pink mini dress which is uh, admittedly very Cindy Lopper but by the at this point she's wearing like boy George hat and she has like ruffly uh tinsel covered leather fingerless gloves and fringy jacket that's like <laughs> white leather and she's up in the woods and she, oh yeah they're they're climbing a mountain in ecuador yeah and she is in tottering like, around on heels yeah full heels and leotard pants yeah. and you're just like what the fuck you've been marching through this for at least two days now. How are you? You know what? Whatever. This is the same kind of shit. You, this is what happens when a, when a person is in a van, the van, the star of a vanity project, and they're already famous for some other vanity project. Oh, I- this is how you get Larry the Cable Guy health inspector, where he, where he has to be called a cable guy, but he's a health inspector in the movie, but he's called a cable guy, but don't, the, you know, the two, you can't. You can't. Here we have this character, Cindy Lauper, not a, a famous pop star and 80s idol, but certainly acting and dressing and just being that character, don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. At least in Hulk Hogan movies, he's always some kind of wrestler still. <laughs> not always. Uh, sure. I, I guess if you want to, the one where he plays a rich guy, uh, Mal, the Mal, the Santa one. Yeah. He's not a wrestler. He's a rich, weird commando man. Also, he's, what, some kind of alien or something in... Uh, Suburban Commando? Su- yeah. Uh, yeah, but still, he uses wrestling moves and fights two wrestlers. But he's not a wrestler. <laughs> no, but he's a warrior man. So at, least his, dumb, at least his dumb outfit. Here, she's a, 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 like a, a, a two-bit psychic, and she dresses like Cindy Lauper. And when she goes into the wilderness, she dresses like Cindy Lauper even harder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just great. Uh, but yes, this is the point where I had thought... You know, maybe Julian Sands wouldn't be the bad guy. Oh, but, you got to have faith. But he shows up in like the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie and is like, ha ha, it's me, Julian Sands. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Canny viewers would have already noted that this would be the case by the telltale sign that I'm in the movie and I'm Julian Sands. <laughs> There's no other foreshadowing, but God damn it, that's enough. Uh, and Ingo ends up shooting harry at this point throws a knife into his back oh yeah that's right because he's like haha i learned how to throw knives from somebody yeah he's he was like i learned how to throw knives from an indian guru or some crap because he's like oh my whole world is psychic nonsense yeah that's my that's my jimmy jam that's all i do i do psychic stuff and i don't want to skip over by the way he corners them at the hospital as well when they when they find out when uh, nick touches the rock and is like okay i know where to go uh ingo shows up immediately with a gun and is like hey Tell me everything you know, and I'm going to shoot you, and also I want that rock. And the way they get around it is that Louise reads his mind, establishes that he's Swedish, and that he is obsessed with his mom. Well, channels his mom. The mom. Like, basically, Louise goes into the spirit world, brings back his mom, and is like, here, possess possess Sylvia for a bit. Yeah, and so Sylvia starts singing a dumb Swedish children's song. You know, she's like, Papa, she show I am Swedish. I wear shoes that are made of wood. And and th- this is enough for Ingo, a professional murder man, to be like, Oh, mama, mama, papa, didn't I like to live near a windmill also, yeah. <laughs> Which, I know that's Denmark. I don't fucking care. Yeah, and then uh, I think the nurse ends up just straight up hitting him hitting with a chair. chair. Yeah, <laughs> because she shoots her. He, he shoots her across the shoulder and thinks she's dead, and then she just gets up because she's a big, intimidating woman yeah. and, and and takes him out with a chair, but he's just back later. Don't worry about it. Yeah, 
that's just how we resolve that scene is comedy chair break. I I do love that when Falk dies in this, there's like this huge emotional oh, moment. It goes on where, for so fucking long. Oh yeah, they have to have like a last dying speech from him. This guy lasts longer than Yoda. <laughs> they they have to like as soon as he is dead, the two of them are like, "Oh, you fucked up now because you killed our very best friend in the world this liar <laughs> that we've known this for weird days. lying con man criminal who has never been helpful to us <laughs> and who is alternating between being just the worst con man and kind of a skeevy pervert the thing is he's so much fun though you want to hang peter falk so skeevy pervert really comes up right before he dies because we have a scene where the three of them get all the way up into the wilderness and they set up three tents so they're all sleeping by themselves i guess it's lucky they have the mules uh and cindy lopper or sylvia goes off to try and sleep with nick who gets real mad at one word she says wrong well you know they're like oh why why do you like me when did you figure that out and she was like oh you know, when you came in and Rescued tried to me. save my life, I figured, oh, what a great guy. If there's anything I could do to repay him. And he's, he's like, like oh, oh, God, this is transactional sex. I quit this instanter. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, so th- I'm just some sort of charity case for you then. <laughs> and, and he gets like incredibly mad. Oh, yeah. Well, and even and she's, she's like, like, no, she's like, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, you're just you're you're reading a word I didn't mean in the way you're reading it. And he's like, be gone from this place. You I shall not have temptress? tent sex. <laughs> no sex with thee. Tent sex is objectively the worst kind of sex. That's not true at all. <laughs> okay, John, what is the worst kind of sex? <laughs> Let's go to movie mastery corner. We've already established that pudding is worse than ice cream. What is the worst kind of sex? Ooh, no, I mean... It's location only. You yes, can't that's just say, what I was going to say. Yeah. Is it locationally? Yeah, what's the, locationally, what's the worst sex? Ooh, I gotta say, it's it's gotta be just woods sex. Woods Actually, no. Okay, okay. I'd go with beach sex, because you get sand all that's over. That's true. I, and I, <laughs> I was about to tell a story, and then I was like, wait, too personal. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not telling that. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, no. It's not the best. Because at least in a tent, you're like, well, we're in a controlled area. You know, you got a sleeping bag, maybe even an air mattress. I, the, the best thing you can hope for with a tent is that you're not backlit. Because then, then you're putting on a shadow play for the neighborhood. Yeah. But, you, I mean, it, even that's not terrible. <laughs> yeah, I got cool technique. Watch my moves. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're into it. Maybe you're about to do one of those, like, Austin Powers scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying beach sex is the worst sex, specifically by location. Oh, yeah. I would say airliner bathroom. There's just not the room. Everyone can hear you. You're oh, being yeah. an asshole. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, at least there's some manner of skeevy prestige to go along with it. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I mean, they don't call it the Mile High Club because it's because it's awful. <laughs> I mean, they should. Should. <laughs> <laughs> They should call it the Mile High Club. Get the fuck out of the bathroom. I need to take a piss. God damn it. Club. It's got club, club in there twice. <laughs> uh, it's like ATM machine. Please don't make me stand awkwardly by the by the uh, door the, listening the, to you try yeah. to have sex. Well, this poor flight attendant does not want to give me the rest of this Diet Coke. Anyway, back yes. to it. Peter Falk gets murdered by Ingo, but yeah, it takes him forever to die. Partially because he just goes on and on at length about how he had dreams and hopes and crap, but also because this is a movie where we know that ghosts hang around with Cindy Lauper. 
So she's like, don't worry, Louise is going to take care of you. She promises. And he's like, I can see her. She's beautiful. I'd fuck her. <laughs> I'm going to fuck your ghost friend. <laughs> Once I'm dead, nothing's going to stop me. <laughs> this is going to be one of those mushy ones. <laughs> You're going to have to watch the two of us go at it. <laughs> Worse than tent sex. Anyway, the, the whole thing I was trying to say, he's got a skeevy element, is that when Nick kicks Sylvia out of his tent, it's like, I shall not sex with you, transactional t- hooker type. Uh, he's like, oh. Hey, are you are you offering around sex? Oh, Come yeah. on over to my tent. We'll have sex. Because he's like, what happened? And Nick's like, oh, she she's angry because I wouldn't have sex with her. And he's like, oh, she wants sex. <laughs> sex. <laughs> <laughs> Boners. We also skipped over the gag that the dude in the hospital, they had object read, had uh, thanks to Nick's object reading, he now knows that, that Peter Falk's wife slept, slept with this guy. Both of his wives did. Yeah. It's a gag. It's a borscht belt gag. Meh. Cats. This movie is set in the mountains of Ecuador, but it might as well be set in the Catskills. Uh, and, and yeah, Julian Sands shows up at this point and is like, well, Ingo killed your hairy guy. Um, yeah, now it's me and Ingo and this other guy. Third man who surprisingly has lines in a story arc. Weird, right? You wouldn't think so. But uh <laughs> Anyway, the three of us are going to force you to take us into the mountains where the cave thing is. And Nick's like, oh, yeah, well, I forgot to tell you, I had a fugue state last night and went there myself, and I don't want to go back because it's haunted and scary. Yeah, I went over there, and some shit happened, and I will never go back. And they're like, okay, but what if we kill you? And he's like, yeah, I guess I'll go back. Yeah, and they go back, and it's obviously a bad matte painting of Machu Picchu. Which is hidden behind a like in a little tiny mountain cave. They go through one little mountain cave. They walk out to the other side. They're just like, holy shit, a vast vista of a city. Yeah. It looked like Littlefoot discovering the Great Valley. Uh, that was the exact moment where he was like, oh, God, the city is here and it's full of tree stars. <laughs> uh, but the this is where we finally, in like the very end of the movie, find out what the bad guy's plan is. Because they're like, all right, Ingo here can apparently translate this ancient, like, prehistory language. Mm -hmm. And there's some kind of thing in here that says how to harness the psychic energy in this pyramid. And their plan is to harness it and use it for dot 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 something generic world domination appears to be the plan yeah no one will be able to stop us yeah they just it's it's very generic the first the first people who got there were like we're gonna get rich off this triangle and then they die and then these people come up and they're like we'll get power off this triangle it's weird though because they know exactly what it is when they're trying to get there but nobody else seems to, and I don't know how they know it. Well, yeah, and also they oh, the only person who seems to be able to operate it is Sylvia. Well, none of them touch the pyramid. Yeah, well, they know better. That, that, that guy died trying to touch it. Yeah, but there's some formula he has to get from the, the runes the, around it. Yeah, the runes around that tell you how to safely siphon the power. And also, Julian Sands' character isn't psychic, and I kept thinking... Well, how are you going to get psychic power? You're not psychic. Yeah, I kept expecting a big reveal that he was also a powerful psychic and that that was why he had put together the organization so he could track other psychics. I also thought that maybe, you know, there would be either a psychic battle over this thing or 
you know, later on Sylvia touches it and I thought, oh, she'll be able to do psychic stuff, but mostly it's just what happens when you remove a load bearing bad guy from a scene. Yeah. Everything just falls apart. Yes, exactly. So they get dragged up back to the pyramid thing. Ingo's trying to read them. Uh, Julian Sands sends uh, <laughs> this third guy out to to murder uh, Jeff Goldblum, but he, but he leaves sylvia around because sylvia began essentially speaking in tongues oh yeah so she's useful she's like oh she can actually read what's on here without having to like translate it yeah but and then she passes out yeah well sort then she, she astral projects yeah because we need another version of the sweden scene where we do shtick where some guy is like so obsessed with his parents even though he's like a 48 year old man yeah, because the, the, the uh, Jeff Goldblum this time gets taken over by the spirit of Sylvia channeling the spirit of Luis channeling the spirit of this man's father. Well, the weirdest thing here is Sylvia astral projects. And for some reason, even though his power is psychometry, Nick can see Sylvia in her astral form and is like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? Yeah. And then he starts talking as if he's this man's dad, which means that we have a three to four layer daisy chain of psychic possession happening where, where he's like, well, I'm going to, okay, fine, Sylvia, you can possess me. And then I'll start talking like you. And she's like, okay, but I'm going to have Louise tell me to talk like, like, uh, this guy's dad, because Louise went and got that guy's dad and Louise is channeling him and I'm channeling her and you're channeling me. Okay. And he doesn't realize, like, he just gets a couple words of like, oh, you know, my dad is the only one who called me like Pepito or whatever. Mm -hmm. the, the only person to call you little boy in all of your home country. Yes. <laughs> all right, then. And instead of it working like it did on Ingo, where he's like, oh, my father, like he, he instead is like, I hated my father. He used to like put me in the shed and he would beat me and my mother and Oh, I'm just sad you died before I got a chance to kill you. I'm gonna strangle you to death, old man. And Goldblum's just like, ah, shit, no. <laughs> uh, I uh, I love you, son. Yeah, which of course is enough to send him into a, I love you too, father. Oh, oh, all I ever wanted was for you to love me. And then he hits him with a rifle, and that's the end of that guy in the story arc of the show. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, we've gone on for a bit. But Are it's we good? Just, okay. Like... The end here is... Confusing. It's very weird, because, like, Sylvia puts her hands on the little pyramid, and this freaks everyone out, because she starts chanting, and then things start rumbling and falling apart. They have guns, though, and instead of just shooting her, they're like, well, we've got to run away. Now. Run away! And then, uh... This mountain is sort of vibrating, and this lady has started speaking in tongues. Instead of killing her... We're going to leave. I genuinely don't remember what happened to Ingo, but I watched. I remember Julian Sands running away, and then a big rock starts to fall near him. He tries to run through a door to get away from it, changes his mind, and just sort of saunters back out and lets the rock fall on him. Well, there are rocks falling on Over the there other too. side of the door. So he's just like, well, I could, I, why not I stay get in the doorway? I could by a bunch of little rocks or just crushed by a big one. Yeah, why not just stay in the door jam, man? Haven't you studied your earthquake safety? Uh... <laughs> But yeah. Well, obviously not. I've spent my entire life studying a plastic pyramid hidden in an Ecuadorian mountain city. So all of the bad guys get got. Uh-huh. And then... Then we get some more will-they-won't-they they shit. Well, then uh, fucking Nick ends up being like, 
hey, Louise, you gotta help her. You gotta make it so that she doesn't get like consumed oh. by this pyramid or whatever. Right, because because Sylvia's like too chanty and too tongue tonguey. She's connected to the pyramid now. Yeah, and, and a lot of the pyramid has fallen away at this point. It's moved from a little plastic thing the size of like a, a novelty Ikea light to a big plastic pyramid that you'd buy if you were like a, a, a kind of weird pyramid and crystal person. Yeah, it'd be like yeah. the kind of thing you'd have as your backyard tent or something. Yeah, exactly. Terrible place to have sex. <laughs> the backyard pyramid. Second worst, worst place. place to have sex. <laughs> Second worst. The backyard pyramid. Okay, the backyard pyramid. We're putting that above the tent. It's, <laughs> yes. it's worse than it's worse than the tent as a place to have sex. Yeah. Okay. What about the Reagan pyramid in which he is interred? What about the Reagan period where Reagan is president? Worst time to have sex. <laughs> like the, the mid-80s? No, it was a great time to have sex. Coke was free. Free Coke for everyone. <laughs> Exactly, very expensive. Uh, but yeah, Louise ends up sacrificing herself to save Sylvia, and so Sylvia's just like, oh no, she's gone. She sacrificed herself. Now I, I basically don't have psychic powers. I guess I have astral projection, but I'm super worried every time I do it that I won't find my way back to my body, yeah. so I don't want to ever do it. Yeah, why not just astral project and then just stay in the room? Because that's right, boring as fuck. Your body's right there. <laughs> That shit sucks. Why would you do that? <laughs> okay, here's what you do. You go to a stadium. That way you won't forget where you are. You're in that stadium. You astral project. And then when you go back, you just find your own body on the Jumbotron. <laughs> because obviously yeah. the stadium is going to keep the camera on the unconscious one. Well, yeah, they put on the kiss cam and then they follow that with the unconscious at the stadium cam. Usually it's guys with like a big pile of beers in front oh, of them. Oh, it's but... the wake up cam and no one can wake her up. And then they're like, oh shit, we can't leave until she we wakes up. We have to stay focused on her. That is the tenet of the stay on the wake up cam. Uh, but yes, they go home back well, they... to New York. Uh, did they make it back to New York? I thought they stayed in love in Ecuador at the end. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, because he he's like, I'm going back to New York. And she's like, yeah, great, leave. See if I care. And, and then he's like, wait, let me read. Let me, before I go, let me object read your glass. And so he picks up her glass, and, and he's like, the woman who held this glass is is uh, very Too stubborn to say that she's in love with someone. But she's very passionate, and she's lonely, and she's looking for love. And she's like, Nick, I haven't touched that glass. Why not, 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 not? And I was like, I... Uh, Actually, having her say the 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 sound sting is kind of a little much movie. <laughs> waka waka waka, she says. Oh, but why don't you touch this glass, Nick? This one I have touched. And then they kiss and go to the bed, and then she's like, "Oh my God, it's Harry!" Yeah, Harry's watching them do it. Great, and they're both overjoyed. They're elated about Harry showing up, as opposed to like, eh, "Come on, man!" Oh, it was bad like, enough in the tent, like. Fucking Sylvia seems surprised, but not annoyed. And Goldblum's face is just like, eh. All right, John. <laughs> let, me let me ask you a quick hypothetical. Would you rather never be able to have sex again for the rest of your life, or you can have all the sex you want, but every time you do, Peter Falk is standing there, and he's just sort of like, ah, yes, you have Peter Falk every time. You're having sex, huh? Ah, that's great. One thing I like, to, one thing I like is the way that you're doing it. You know, I could never do it. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife, not, not so good at doing <laughs> the sex things. That's why I appreciate your consistent office for me to uh, uh, tag in, as you put it. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go ahead and have to gently decline. Uh, yeah, no. That's the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Turns out Harry gets to take Louise's place, except... It's Harry, so 
God, that's awful. <laughs> well, I mean, it was pretty bad anyway that this poor woman who died at some point when, according to the story, uh, she died and then later Cindy Lauper fell off a ladder at 12 and when she woke up, Louise was there in the hospital. Yeah. She um, spent two weeks comatose and when she woke up, she could talk to, I mean, just Louise. The she one ghost. She never talks to any other ghost. She never mentions other ghosts except for Harry. Yeah. And I... I kind of wonder if that wasn't supposed to be a sequel setup, maybe a little like oh yeah now i'm a ghost no we're gonna have some wacky shenanigans that's just the oh harry's gonna watch us do it it's the final joke oh thing. excellent because i have some interesting moves i'd like to try mm, yes <laughs> ghost moves harry check this out <laughs> harry bet you can't do this i learned this from an indian guru we get it lots of indian gurus okay uh anyway yes there you go there's vibes. Weird, <laughs> weird movie that's I'm sorry, I just got it in just my head. That, I just got it in my head that he was like, Harry, watch these interesting moves. And then he just did the dumbest possible. <laughs> watch I'm going, what I can do. I'm and go- then falls off the bed. <laughs> I'm going to tweak tweak her breasts like I'm trying to change the radio station. And she's like, Stop that. That's very uncomfortable. No one likes that in the history of boobs. <laughs> and he's like he's like, No, this is a genius move. Harry, I demand your approval. Even Harry, she, even Harry says that's stupid as hell. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and give our bests and worsts in this film. What was the best moment for you in vibes? <sighs> Movies generally pleasant from start to finish. There's really, I, mean, I, I didn't dislike this. It's stupid. It's very stupid. Oh, it's very dumb. And the thing is, it's, it treads the line for being boring yes so close it it entirely rides on the charm of the of the main characters and and as such i'm gonna i'm trying to pick my favorite peter falk moment i'm gonna go with the did i say my son i meant my father and then the whole story where he's like my my mother fell in love with one of my old school chums and i was fine with it and i came to call him daddy (laughs) and i was just like that's that's my favorite moment that's for me what's yours Oh, I don't know. I feel I feel like the absolutely bemused look. Yeah. Yeah, that was good too. Uh Nick's face at the end with like Harry and he's just kind of like smiling and like eh? <laughs> that's weird. I'm fine with it though. I uh-huh. guess I guess I can get into that. <laughs> Also, every bemused look that that Jeff Goldblum oh, has. Oh, Jeff Goldblum spends most of the mo- movie bemusedly looking around. <laughs> he looks like he's just a little high. Just a little high. Just enough to be like, nice, all the time. <laughs> just, you know, it seems like he's always looking around to be like, really? Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right. I'll go with it. I don't care. It's fine. Also, I do want to throw an honorable mention out to Shenanigans, the Ecuadorian black tie tiki bar mexican ballroom dance uh buffet rich people restaurant yes i just want to make sure that people know that that was there and that it was somehow missing a torch singer that which really felt like it would have completed the 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 vibe (laughs) uh so what was the worst thing in the movie for you i mean i guess probably just julian sands showing up as a villain at the end because he's julian sands but having like no connection to anything oh he had nothing to do with anything in this movie and he doesn't do anything anyway he's just like i'm the real villain anyway let's go to the mountains okay i'm the real villain because basically i'm employing some bad guys yeah there's not a good enough connection to drag him back in it was just because he was when you saw him you're like that's too famous of an actor for the role he's in he'll definitely be the bad guy later oh there he is I wonder if there's any connection to what he was doing earlier in the film. No, there is not. Oh, okay. Well, I hope he has an interesting psychic-powered death. No, a rock falls on him. All right, then. Yep. 
The end. Good times. It's kind of a disappointment overall, I would say. I would say that. Yeah, so that's my least favorite. What about you? Oh, I gotta say probably my least favorite thing in this. There's there's a bunch of just little dumb moments throughout this, but I almost want to say I just didn't like the... When they finally get to the pyramid for the second time. Mm-hmm. And, it feels rushed. Well, it also just feels real random on their part because they're like oh we could just kill you we don't really need you around mm-hmm. and then they're like eh, but let's not because you're the main characters well they, yeah and then they also send uh that guy to go kill goldblum down the mountain and he walks him down there and makes him kneel and then just wanders around talking to him for a long time yeah it's it's a very weird thing where it ends up dragging out this thing that They've established that these guys are not afraid to kill anyone and just want this power for themselves. And they're like, and once we get it, we're going to kill you anyway. Yeah. There had to be something, some reason to do this. But instead, like you mentioned, it's just Goldblum gets put into execution stance and then just hangs out there for five minutes. Yeah, he has time to talk to the guy. The two of them have like a full on conversation. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey. So, uh, yeah. It's just, it's just weird. It feels lazy. Like they like they spent so much time on Peter Falk's death that the next scene, which was going to be them find in the mountain, said he was like, oh, whoops, we only have like three minutes left. I don't know. Let's just kill everyone. And- oh, yeah, because you, you rushed through what they were doing, what this city was. Yeah. It's the big MacGuffin mystery of the movie, and we get almost nothing about it. Like, I it. feel like this movie almost would have been better if it had just never left the hotel. <laughs> if it was just five psychic weirdos wandering around a hotel, trying to have sex with each other, and also kill each other, and maybe there's, like, what if it was Clue, but everyone was psychic? There's literally what I was thinking when you said that. Yes. It's like, we never leave the hotel. I was like, ooh, psychic Clue. Yeah, exactly. It's Clue, but everyone has a, right, has a unique psychic power. Would actually be kind of a fun plot. Yeah, but no. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's rate this movie. We're each going to give it a rating from zero to five, which will give the movie a rating out of ten. Jeff. Two and a half. It's uh, it's a perfectly function. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because it, like John has consistently reminded us, it borders on very boring. It does. There's a lot of nothing it in this. It teeters yeah. a lot. But that said, the performances are really fun. It's a good collection of interesting actors. Uh, and, and generally speaking, it's kind of a chummy energy that I didn't mind. I was just like, oh, I can just hang out with a young Jeff Goldblum for a while. Uh, oh, look, a baby Steve Buscemi. Oh, look at you. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, so it's a two and a half, which, you know, if John also gave it a two and a half, it'd be a five or just a classic old C. Yeah. What about you? Oh, I'll give it a two and a half. Honestly. You're going to give it a two, aren't I you? Feel, no, it's, I feel that the film is a two and it gets that extra point five just from Peter Falk and Goldblum being watchable. Yes. Yeah, very much so. And I would even say Cindy Lauper is fun in this. Like you can kind of oh, get she's the She's fine. Yeah, like she's not uh, she's not Shaquille O'Neal. It's no. not one of those vanity movies where you're like, "Oh god." No, exactly. Like th- this is even I would say among music celebrities who make themselves into famous movies, you this is still like a, a thousand times better than Crossroads and a million times better than Glitter. <laughs> And and uh, so far above from Justin to Kelly that you can't even see it down there. <laughs> so uh, of the times that that uh, that singers give themselves a movie, this is fine. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, being that it is a five out of ten, eh, it's fine. Is basically vibes. Yeah, pretty much. 
And we didn't even we watched the this. You might have seen our tweet the other d- the night of Dudes Night. This is this was our Dudes Night watch, which I'm going to go ahead and guess is why this is a rare occasion of me remembering more about the movie than John does, because I was. What are you talking about? I remembered a little more. You thought this movie ended in New York. I win. <laughs> I let me have it. I I so rarely get anything. Lol. <laughs> it's been a few days, and I was. I was so pleasantly pleased on Bartles and James that I think I was paying more attention than I otherwise would have. Please, no. It's Seagram's Escapes. Oh, thank you. That's right. We were not drinking Bartles and James. We were drinking knockoff competitor Seagram's Escapes. But it's still the same shit. I mean, honestly. I love how disappointed our friend was when we came home with that crate. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because we were like, all right, we're going to BevMo. You should come with us. I know you don't want to go anywhere, but if you don't, we're going to come back with the dumbest bullshit imaginable, and you will be sad because there's no alcohol for yeah, you. And he came home with a perfectly reasonable vanilla porter that was going to last him the week, and we brought home a case of Seagram's wine cooler. <laughs> Look at this delicious malt beverage we have. Mmm, tastes like blue. Oh, yeah. And it's, it is so just drinkable it's just soda it's just soda the blue one tastes like if you were drinking an air freshener i mean honestly it really tastes like an air freshener it's uh eminently drinkable though one of those things where you're like oh i could just have this like a you know just chug it down like any regular beverage uh yep so that's our uh review of seagram's escapes Mm -hmm. escapes (laughs) please have the jamaican me crazy flavor the number one in the pack uh, yes, that was definitely the best one. And because I very rarely drink nowadays and I was only having a break from my, my rigorous diet for dudes night, I left them all there. So I don't know how anything else was. Uh, I've had, I think everything except for the mango one. Cause mango is the worst fruit ever. Mm. Well, that's not true. That's not I mean, even close to exists. true. I was going to say, there's a lot of things that are fruit that you don't want to count. It is the most popular nasty fruit. Okay, that's fair. I don't care for mango especially, but I actually would say I would rate papaya below mango personally. I would not. I think I ma- don't like papaya, but ugh, I have a, I have a thing. You know how some people think cilantro tastes like soap, mm-hmm. and that's like a problem. Apparently, I'm part of a small subset of people who think that papaya both smells and tastes a little like poop. Ooh, nasty! Just a little, just a little, just a tiny bit of poop. Just and every time poop. someone cuts open a papaya, I'm like, that smells like fruit. And poop. Someone just shat out a plum. Yeah, that's kind of where I am with papaya. It's I, I'm sure it's quite delicious for most of the world, but I can't deal with that poop thing. That's unfortunate. Yeah, so anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you know, we love what we do here, and if you want to help support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us there. We have a ton of different bonus content things you can get, and up at the $5 level, We have TV Mastery. We are going through The Littlest Hobo right now. And let me tell you, today's episode is one of my absolute favorites. I love the one we are talking about today. I think it's certainly an important episode. Oh, it's a very special episode. Yeah. (laughs) I would say of all the episodes, it is important for the lore mm, for it lore, is a very for lore good purposes episode. now in as insofar as littlest hobo if you haven't joined us at the five dollar level and found out for yourself doesn't actually have lore we're just kind of doing it for oh, the show lore. <laughs> if you read <laughs> into it yeah which we are i think we're reading very heavily into it look the author is dead yeah and he possessed a dog so <laughs> join us won't you at 
<laughs> patreon.com slash system mastery join us for tv mastery all of our expanded expounded universe our our bonus content, bonus content. We, we never gave it a real name our afterthought monthly show yeah so much stuff it's great and of course we understand if you don't have the money to support us be an easy way to do it anyway just go to uh, your local bank and borrow some money take out a loan just go to your local mm-hmm, bank mm-hmm. bring a gun horse betting is an easy way to acquire the money horse rustling is mm-hmm. another easy way lots of horse methods to get us that money so just go out and find and you know indiscriminately murder some horses and then generate the the glue cash or whatever and, yeah. and send no just review us on itunes or stitcher or whatever it'll help more listeners find us there yep. you go five star reviews. five star reviews will do that for us and it'll be a big help and we will be back in another couple weeks with some more movie mastery and until then You guys have a good one.